Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We've got a great guest all the way from Austin, Texas. Welcome to the show, Ben Kogut. Thanks, Victor. Happy to be here. Great to have you here. Now, Ben, you are deep in the world of commercial real estate, not just in your local market. But before we dive into the details, maybe give us a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Sure. I've been involved in commercial real estate since 2004, and it's been a journey that's brought me along the path of being a broker and then to the path of being an investor. And now I'm full-time professionally raising capital for our commercial real estate syndications. And so our niche is buying um, retail office or medical office buildings and industrial properties around the country. Uh, we syndicate them one deal at a time, and they're typically anchored by high credit tenants with long-term leases. And uh, we just uh, closed 66, finished our 66th deal. So we're uh, growing pretty fast. I love that. So the, the office and commercial market is one that's been certainly making a lot of headlines, especially over the last two years. Uh, we've seen vacancy open up in a number of segments. Certainly the work from home movement is alive and well. Now, if you are in the medical and medical office space, doctors are not working from home. You still need to go in to visit the doctor and those folks are not going anywhere. How have the last two years changed your strategy, if at all? Yeah, sure. So it has created a lot of opportunities for us to acquire office buildings and shopping centers for that matter. There is this, uh, what we're seeing is a, is a false assumption about the office space. And so that has allowed us to, to buy you know assets that typically would be selling probably somewhere between a seven and an eight cap. We've been buying them for better than a 10 cap. And what all of these deals that we specialize in buying, what they all have in common are very high credit tenants with long-term leases. And we define that a long-term lease as something longer than five years. So throughout the pandemic, they've continued to pay to pay rent, whether their employees showed up or not. And now what we're seeing is that people are continuing to show up. But also, for example, at the end of last year, we bought an office building that was occupied by a company called Jacobs Engineering. And they are the largest subcontractor for NASA. And they have, they have proprietary office space, proprietary systems within their buildings that makes it such that their employees have to show up at work. So that's one of the examples of a deal where it's just irreplaceable real estate. And so it has uh, it has proven to be a really strong asset class for us to continue to invest in. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, there's one view that office space is just a commodity and you can, you know, as long as you can carve it up into 100 square foot cubicles, you've got whatever it is, 25 bucks a square foot triple net. If if someone's willing to rent it for 22, you're going to get the business. But not every business is like that. If you're a generic business that really, there's nothing special about one office space versus another, then then yes, it's that commodity. How do you, apart from having a long-term lease, how do you pick your tenants so that you really have that stickiness? Yeah, sure. So um, the tenants are typically such that it is either impossible or very, very expensive for them to relocate. So aside from that Jacobs Engineering, and aside from obviously dental offices and medical offices and just large office tenants that have very, very cheap rent, that would be next to impossible for them, for them to move somewhere else to replace that rent at a cheaper rate. 
we've been very bullish on suburban office spaces where you're in a building that is either single story, maybe a two story building. Uh, and we've not been buying sub, uh, downtown office buildings where people are forced to go into an elevator and kind of work their way up uh, into their spaces. And so we look for office tenants that have strong unit economics and have you know strong commitments to those particular locations. And there's a variety of reasons for them to be uh, in that location. And, and if we are convinced that they're not going to go anywhere else, then we're happy to buy that property. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Now, at a certain point, if vacancy opens up in the marketplace, let's say the downtown opens up and you get, I don't know, 20% vacancy, how does that ultimately affect you in terms of tenants demanding leasing incentives and things like that in order to even maintain their current lease? So typically, being that we're buying suburban office buildings, the rents in general are going to be cheaper than a downtown office building. So we attract groups that either want cheaper rent or they want more space for the same price. So they're, they're, we're seeing a lot of groups that are more willing to go out into the suburbs. And so th- th- those are a couple of ways. And then just building relationships with our tenants, making sure that we take good care of them uh, across the board. And um, that, that's been a winning recipe for us. I love it. What are your thoughts on the co-working movement? You know, a lot of people view the co-working movement as a growth strategy. I actually view it as a shrinkage strategy because people are giving up their office space often to go into co-working. Is it something that you see as alive and well? Do you see it as a fad? What, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I think that it is, it's not what we invest in, but having said that, I think there's a lot of people that benefit from having the flexibility of co-working space. I think it helps build community. I mean, personally, I think that people are sick and tired of Zoom. And so I, I think that co-working or, or multiple uses of space is definitely the, the, the future and, and it's here to stay. I love it. So if you fast forward over the next 12, 24 months, uh, where do you see the opportunities? Uh, we've seen a lot of businesses uh, experience a tremendous amount of distress do you see more deals on the horizon? Do you see the market tightening up? Uh, what would be the impact of rising interest rates? What What are your thoughts? Well, what I'm seeing right now is significantly more capital than deals. So every deal um, that is being put out there, put out on the market is, is having multiple offers. Having, it's, it's a very competitive market. And so what we do to differentiate ourselves um, is we know what we're looking for. And then once we see what we're looking for, and we'll look at our acquisition team looks at between 800 and 1500 deals every week. Out of that, about 16 properties will fit within our criteria. We'll make 16 offers a week and about one out of 16 properties uh, we're able to actually successfully put under contract. So it's quite the, it's quite the deal funnel. And typically there is still sellers that are motivated for reasons that are unrelated to the asset. And I'm not exactly sure why, but I think psychologically, we're typically the we're typically the first offer. And psychologically, oftentimes we win the deals because we're the first offer in, and so we're ready to go. And so that has uh, that's been a way for us to really uncover opportunities. Really simply making a lot of offers, and so um, that that's one thing. You asked a bunch of questions in there, you know, rising interest rates. Sure. That's going to put pressure on the ability for people to justify 
the really, really tight cap rates because the spread between the, you know, the debt and the, uh, the returns are, are going to start shrinking. And there's going to be a lag uh, between what the seller's expectations are and what buyers are. And so uh, I think that is going to create, frankly, more opportunities for, for companies like us to, to go out there and pick up deals because we are not as tied. I mean, we, we do borrow money to, to buy deals, but since we syndicate, meaning we raise money from a bunch of individuals, we have more flexibility in the way that we structure our deals. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's definitely going to be a tight market for the foreseeable future, but uh, we're buying deals in secondary and tertiary markets. As long as it has the same unit economic fundamentals, um, I still think there's always going to be opportunities in, in, in secondary and tertiary markets. What are your thoughts on the properties that are deeply distressed? You know, you've got a hundred thousand square foot building and it's 80% vacant or something like that. Are those interesting to you or are they too heavy a lift? For us, we're not going to, we're not going to go for that lift. We're really bait. You know, we structure our deals to pay dividends to our investors every month, starting on the first month. So we have to have that cash flow and that predictable cash flow right away. Uh, having said that, like our deals sometimes have value add components to it, but as long as there's that that chunk of cash flow that's coming in, so that we can pay our investors every in our debt every month, then then we're good to go. But yeah, the, those value add deals. There's certainly you know a lot of creative things happening in the market, but it's just not our particular business model, but there's, there's always opportunities for value add deals. Fantastic. Well, Ben, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Sure. Thanks. So, uh, hjhinvestments.com, or you can reach me, Ben at hjhinvestments.com. We have a bunch of videos. We have an ebook called five things to consider when investing in commercial real estate syndications or on all the social media platforms, LinkedIn, last name is spelled K O G. UT, COVID. First name, Ben. Fabulous. Well, I love the perspective, love what you're doing. I always believe that the riches are in the niches and you're very focused on a very specific segment, which is always the smartest thing to do. So thank you for sharing the story with us. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with Ben at hjhinvestments.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. 